The time is 6.27 p.m. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. Well, that was well-timed for us to, for a drop-in internet connection just as I was about to go live. So hopefully... Yeah, um, I was sat... Yeah, I was sat there poised, limbering up, and in 1825 it said, Simon Sansbury has left the meeting. This is bad. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't bode well. That's, that's not a good sign. Um, <laughs> or maybe I'd just had enough. So I'm going to try and update my screen and get in to make sure that the stream is actually live and that other people are with us. Um, in the meantime, um, Happy New Year, mate. And to your good self. Yeah, it seems it seems to be so long ago, doesn't it? It's the 10th now. And, oh, you know, they say a week is a long time in politics. But since we last graced the airwaves on, was it the 19th, 20th, 20th of December? So much has gone on. We've had the... Uh, I think it was before that. It was the 14th and 13th. Deal. We've, had, we've had the schools in and out. We've had... Trump and his tantrums, what? how do we grade a tantrum? You know, is it, a, it's a mega tantrum, isn't it? It's a, it's a full, a fabulous book, The Curious Case of the Dog in the Night, which is about a, a lad who's got autism. And he says at one a fantastic book if you haven't read it but at one point he said he says it all got too much for me so i just lay on the ground and did screaming and i think it's that level of tantrum i i, I think it i think it is i mean to be fair i'm i i don't know it might be quite restorative maybe we're all missing something maybe we should all actually try laying on the ground and screaming just not in the middle of tesco um because they're going to cut yeah. you off um but um and definitely not in waitress um but other food stores are available, um, but in in Asda they're probably quite used to it. So, yeah, I, um, I've not read the book, but it is it is one that's on that's on my radar. So I would like to look at it. But yeah, he oh. is he has just been an insufferable but entirely predictable bell end. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's it is a the, the whole thing has been. Well, I just thought oh, we'll cover it today in our usual knockabout style. But um, yeah, it has been. Usually in politics, about a week before, everybody has the office party, drinks too much warm Chardonnay from a paper cup, goes home, regrets that they haven't, uh, hopes that they haven't done anything that's going to be regrettable or newspaper worthy. Um, the politicians have a jolly good Christmas with too much figgy pudding and port wine, and everybody rocks up bleary-eyed first week back with, with and has a bit of a bimble about into the new year, but it it's not been quite that way. Uh, no, but I, I guess we 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 we've also not returned from a Christmas break, having being able to moan about having to spend so much time with relatives that we didn't want to spend time with, or having got Christmas presents that we didn't really want because um, we had a very very um, well, I had a very very quiet Christmas. Spent the um, spent Christmas lunch. Um, with my parents because they're part of the part of, I'm part of their bubble but um but other than that um you know to be honest I didn't get to I didn't see see my daughter when she was standing at the end of the end of the pathway to to my house um when she came and visited um last week um but it's it's just been really it's just been utterly strange um and I, I just think that Donald every time now I see Donald Trump speak I'm just gonna hear in the back of my head it's my party and I'll cry if I want to, cry if I want to, cry if I want to. You would cry too if Biden happened to you. Yeah, yeah, no, I that's, that, that's the way forward. Yeah, no, lots of the old Christmas traditions had to go on hold. Um, we couldn't have the usual annual gammon off between me and your mum, which I always win. Which my gammon is fundamentally better. That's a, that's and, a meat-based uh, meal yeah. reference rather than a Brexit-based reference. Yeah, 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 no, that's, that's no, that is a genuine pork meat-based product reference. In fact, in a strange coincidence, currently the other half of the Christmas gammon, because once again we bought one that was the size of a small child, and we 
did the sensible thing and cut it in half, but it's currently cooking in a pressure cooker just over my right shoulder. So if that explodes and we all die, I apologise to our listeners in advance. And the world was was um, was much the worse for it, um, for missing out on all, all of those things. But there we go. There we go. Um, it is what it like, is. And I'm January sure we... January the 10th, old boy. Yes. So you, you what's been tend happening? Tend to do your research. <laughs> well, there is that there is that rumor. So so what are the three what are the three headline things that we're going to talk about, and then we'll move swiftly into on this day, and then we'll start with our first one. So what are we talking about? So we're going to open up with Brexit. We're not all dead yet? <laughs> Question mark. We're then going to follow with schools out for um, summer, maybe channeling our inner Alice Cooper. Um, and look at the decision, the shortest term in history. And then finally, we will discuss the united shame of America in terms of the stuff that went on and the cringeworthy nature of the transfer of power from Donald J. Trump. Yes, Verified account. Oh, not verified account anymore. <laughs> or no not speaking account. Under no account. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we'll kick, kick that about. And as always, if people are listening along and want to throw stuff into the comments or even want to jump on, they're always welcome. Indeed. Our um, our door is always open, except when it's closed. Um, so, yes, the comments are up. And we've got Lynn and Rob joining us so far. Um, hopefully there's obviously some other shy people but that's okay we'll let them off but welcome everybody happy new year Uh, and here we go so okay so on this day um it's not that i have a lot of fun picking these out but um hey um for year 49 bc julius caesar defies the roman senate and crosses the rubicon uttering alea eacta est the die is cast, signalling the start of civil war, which would lead to his appointment as Roman dictator for life. Mm. Isn't the word Rubicon splendid? Um, I don't know what it is. I think it's a guava-based juice drink these days. No, but isn't it a river in Rome? That could well be. Well be. My, my research didn't go that far. Um... No, no, and to be fair, I've. Or is it a card game? Or is that I think card? it. I think it oh, is a fruit-based drink, and it probably is a card game, but they all probably. Uh, yes, it is a river. Hence, crossing like... the Rubicon because it's you know you cross it. There we go. Uh, by the rivers, by the rivers of Rubicon. Where we sat down. I like how we teed that one up one. Ah. So um, 1897, Ukrainian bacteriologist um, Vladimir um, Havkin, so apologies for the awful pronunciation, performs the first human trial for a vaccine for the plague on himself during the Bombay epidemic. I thought that was relevant. I think you've probably alienated our Ukrainian listenership with that... Uh, that uh, knife and fork job on his name, but uh, no, no, no it's, just, it's fascinating that the you know third vaccine approved, the Moderna one, which is splendid, and the 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 rollout is um is thundering along in terms of vaccine. That was a bold statement. I we have not covered it in this episode, but I believe the health secretary, the artist formerly known as Matt Hancock, has said that every adult that wants the vaccine will get a suck of the sauce bottle by the autumn which was a very bold statement i felt well to be fair what he of course he didn't use the phrase suck of the sauce bottle no but what he did say was that every adult in the country will be offered the vaccine by or by the autumn so i mean not being funny that that's an interesting use of words, but to be fair, not everybody will will take it for a variety of reasons. Some of them sensible, some of them not. Um, and um, you know, at the end of the day, um, absolutely, it's a it's a voluntary thing. People um, who want to be vaccinated will get vaccinated, um, and the rollout continues. Up to two hundred, over two hundred thousand a day um, are receiving their jabs. So, um, so there we yeah, go. Yeah, fr- friend of mine is uh, who is a the nurse by nature is 
is on the front line jabbing people. So uh, yeah, he, he got vaccinated a couple of weeks ago, and um, he is now thundering uh, jabs into people's arms as fast as he can. Um, and to be fair, if you get his gentle touch, um, yeah, you might feel it. He's a he's a fairly chunky prop forward. And he's probably liable not to have the deftest touch, but uh, he's a qualified medical man. I'm sure he won't do you any harm. I, I don't know whether it's just lockdown getting to me, but all of those words meant something completely different to me. Um, 1957, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Eden's res- resignation and Harold Macmillan becomes the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Um, wasn't that scandal? No, wasn't that, was that to, scandal? Wasn't that to do with the? Wasn't that to do with um, Suez? Oh, could well be, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, you know, a British Prime Minister basically got shot off because they did something really stupid. Um, Thankfully, we don't have that happening these days. Um, 2018... Wasn't Eden Eden one of yours? One of mine? I don't think so. When you say, was he he a liberal? I was on the lookout for a Lib Dem Prime Minister. I'm sure we had one once. Um, yeah, but at the turn of the twentieth century, um, yeah, this is where I'm going to look yeah, really stupid. Oh, he has the oh, funny that now I clicked a clicked a page. His birthday is the as a day after mine. Obviously, just a very different year. Oh no, he died on the fourteenth of um, oh, Jesus. Christ. I'm going to put my glasses back on. So he was born on the twelfth of June, so a day before me, but just a yep. different year, and died on the fourteenth of June in nineteen seventy seven. Bless him. Um, but there we go. Oh, hum. So 2018, Jeff Bezos. Is it Bezos or Bezos? You say Bezos, I say Bezos. Bezos. Let's call the Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, I'm working my way through my sixth run of watching the wet, the whole se- the whole s- um, seven seasons of The West Wing. I'm aiming to get myself to the episode that ends the show called Tomorrow when... Uh, Matt Santos's inauguration. I'm, I want to watch that on the nineteenth of January. Um, so I'm working. I'm working my way through. Um, started that just before Christmas. So um, anyway, sorry. 2018. Uh, Jeff, our mate Jeff becomes the second man worth over a hundred billion dollars as his wealth hits one hundred and six billion due to a rise in Amazon's share price. Did you see though this week? He's been surpassed, hasn't he? Has he? Yes. Who, who's, yes. So, who's, so he he lost a chunk of his um his wealth, it, and of course his is his that because he picked um or is that because he picked the wrong company to deliver it and it's actually hidden behind someone else's green bin? No, no. I think um he 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 made a delivery of his own outside of his married wedlock. Oh, and uh, his wife suggested that that was not appropriate, and uh, so. I believe the divorce settlement made her the fourth richest woman in the world. Well, good luck to her. Um, at the end of the day, no, um, you, it's yeah. um, thankfully not everything else from Amazon takes that long to deliver. Exactly, but no, he's he's been surpassed by Elon Musk. Oh dear! So last year, I want to say, well, again, we deal in. Broad facts in this podcast. Are you sure? I think the value of Tesla increased by, I want to say, somewhere between 500 and 700%, which means he's now the richest man in the world. Yeah, I, d- I, d- um, I, d- I don't know whether he's like two-thirds Bond villain every time I see him on TV. He does have a touch of that about him, doesn't he? he there's a little bit of, you kind of think now he's the richest man in the world, he might be moving his headquarters to a hollowed out mountain (laughs) yes that's only visible when you when you drain a pond the size of the Arecibo in you know international telescope um anywho so um sorry guys that was a bit of a ramble so uh yes that was on this day so shall we move swiftly um and talk with a bit more sense about Brexit so Brexit Brexit obviously happened we left the EU at 11pm on the 31st of January 2020. That was actually our first live broadcast um, all those yes. uh, many broadcasts ago. Um, and we the transition period um, ended at 11pm on the 31st of December 
2020 after the announcement of a deal with much teasing, a showing of leg, and then then eventually actually re- revealing something on on uh, on Christmas Eve. Um, it was Christmas Eve again at the drunk tank. An old man said to me, "Won't see another deal." Yeah, yeah, no. Well, we. I mean, at the end of the day, I think there is an element of everyone, virtually everyone. Because I think when when we talk about Brexit, haven't we? we we've got to we've got to almost draw the spectrum, haven't we? We've got a group of frothers on the Remain side, and we've got a group of frothers on the Leave side. And they are—they'll never be happy with whatever happens. And then you sort of—you've got the people who are fairly committed on both sides of that equation, who are passionate about leaving or passionate about remaining. And then you've got the vast junk of people in the middle, who sort of are at the point where they don't care anymore. Um, and I would say everybody, with the exception of the real frothers on the exit side, were pretty happy we managed to do a deal. Um, I think it was better to, even though what Johnson has secured is quite obviously not what he promised, um, it's better than not having any deal whatsoever. So it's better to have something than nothing. So, um, so he proved that a deal is better than no deal. Um, even if you might think that it's a bad deal at the end of the day, um, it's better to have that than, uh, to be honest, personally, um, it's always going to be inferior to our to the benefits of us being in the European Union and us being a member of the single market and the customs union. But it was better to have a deal than to face the chaos that could have. And the chaos um, potential is still there. There are still problems for uh, for companies that they're still trying to understand, even despite the the government single handedly keeping uh, keeping radio advertising um, in business all through 2020. Um, with either hitting us with adverts about was it stop change go um, um, adverts check, to prepare for a th- yeah check change go to protect so to prepare for a thing that they hadn't announced what, what was actually happening um, between that and actually warning us about the devils of the coronavirus to be fair I think actually the advertising industry is um, is doing quite nicely out of this government um, so uh, yeah as I say better to have something than nothing um yes it's not it it wasn't perfect yes it was going to be inferior to our previous arrangements but it was mild, it was infinitely better than having nothing at all yeah and, and look i don't have you on the frother end of the remainers but obviously there is an element where i was just looking for my know, eu flag i i guess you know you you were always you're always going to hold the position understandably being a, a staunch remainer that we would have been better off in than out and i kind of i'm good with that um but i think you know it, again one of the analogies i've liked to use is that once the country collectively decided to jump off the cliff into the unknown the question is whether we were going to land in warm water cold water soft sand firm sand or the rocks i prefer and, the analogy that it was better to decide whether to use a parachute or a or a tea or a, um, a tea bag vest um, well, indeed. And, um, so uh, I'm so, just having to let my dog out. That's not a euphemism. Um, so yeah, I mean, ultimately the the deal was done, and and from what I can work out, concessions had to be made on both sides. I think we conceded a fair chunk on fishing, and obviously there is now effectively a border between mainland UK and Northern Ireland, which. Um, but it's to be, um, be I mean, interesting to see how that, in, that unfurls. But in some industries, there was anyway because the island of Ireland was was a separate entity for was it phytosan? Oh God, I can't even say the word. But basically, for biological purposes, you um, you could only ship animals uh, and vegetables to the island of Ireland if they'd actually met certain criteria and had certain checks done. So there was all there always was a, t- a different kind of um arrangement in you know getting getting stuff from from England to Northern Ireland is different from getting stuff from England to Wales. Um so 
you know, there, there was always that. Um, but nonetheless, this makes that more complicated because um, effectively Northern Ireland still remains in, in the customs union. Um, and therefore, actually, um, certain different documentation and declaration has, has to be done. So it, it remains to be seen how much of a disruption all of this causes. What has been clear is that some companies, I mean, to be fair, the first week of January isn't really a good... Um, barometer it's a quiet because it's it's well, it's it, a yeah. quiet week I, d- I did some number crunching i i know it's sad but so I, I looked at the data from the ons and um for the period between because um the data the, there was kind of two years worth well one year and a bit's worth of data that i had at the ons but looking at the um, the total number of um ship visits for cargo to uk ports per week um, between the 1st of April and the end of the year. Um, in 2019, that was the average was 99 um, visits a week. And in 2020, the, the, the average was 97 um, visits a week. Um, and the first three days of... Um, sorry, no, not a week, a day. Beg your pardon, not a week, a day. Yeah. Um, so, and the first three visits... Sorry, the first three days that are on the report, because it only went up to the 3rd of January so far, um, are actually way below, way below that. Um, but to be fair, they were the same time last year. Yeah. So I, it's, I, I, it's, I, a, I, it's a low period of the year to kind of test as to whether there's so much of an issue. Um, go on. And, and I guess that's a that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because there's an element of, you know, with... with with low volumes is great it allows people time to to mm-hmm. um find their feet i mean the thing that i found fascinating uh, and again you know through the whole <laughs> was no deal going to be so disruptive and catastrophic that the fact that we got a deal when it was better you know by the end of that first week you know the 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 pound was at a 12 month high against the dollar and you know again obviously you can't you can't necessarily just point at one factor in a whole economic soup and say well that made the difference the FTSE was in great shape um so i guess from a you know from a broad perspective having exited in what you probably could describe as a reasonably orderly manner um it hasn't been an abject disaster thus far um I don't think anyone can claim it's been a massively swinging victory for for anything, but it's not been a car crash. Um, well, um, it, it's not, but it is early days and it is a low traffic period of the year. So to be fair, yeah. I, I don't, and there has been a grace period for the first week anyway, in which it hasn't necessarily, in which it hasn't really been implemented. So to be really honest with you, yeah. Um, let's come back to it in a month's time and see if there's still if there's still not an issue. And even yeah. if there even if there isn't an issue, just as much as it was on the in the on the in January two th- in the in the year two thousand, people saying, "Oh, that ru- that rubbish about the Millennium Bug, it didn't happen." Well, it either didn't happen because it wasn't a problem, or it didn't happen because actually, literally, the world's worth of IT professionals were mobilised to actually make sure that the, the problem didn't exist. So if, if things oh, are going okay, it's either because, to be yeah. fair, the mitigations worked, or because there wasn't an issue. E- either way, um, I just want businesses to be able to actually continue to trade. It, it, it seems at the moment there are lots of businesses that are either reluctant or refusing to trade into the UK just now until things get sorted out. Um, and there are even, indeed UK businesses that I've seen that aren't able to ship goods into Northern Ireland at the moment. So it's it, lots of things are still up in the air at the moment. People are still trying to figure out yeah. where lots of stuff lands. Let's let people get on with it. At the end of the day, we've been talking about it for four years. Can we just get on with it, please, and find a way forward? Yeah, and and as you say, you know there are more there are more things to come, and and time will unfurl to see whether a you know it, it is going to give us a problem or whether we can work harmoniously. And uh, yeah, indeed, what I do know is I'm going to back in the day, Europe. Unfortunately, that uh, that isn't going to happen. Uh, Millsy is not going to get to see the joys of travelling around Europe because, unfortunately, the 
and I shall say it, I think the EU have been extremely unreasonable with pet travel. But um, You mean the EU uh, enforced its regulation with regards to third countries? What a well, shock. It depends how, <laughs> well, it depends how you view it. So there's an element of the, the EU didn't have a consistent policy before. So if I travelled to Southern Ireland, Malta and somewhere else... I didn't have to have, oh, it's getting complex here, I didn't have to get the vet passport signed and my dog wormed before we travelled. Mm-hmm. There, there was a waiver that said, don't worry, we're equivalent. And effectively what we have, do, or what, so the UK is still respecting that process. So for any EU pet coming into the UK, we're still following exactly the same process, which is that, you know, everything that was in place before, nothing's changed, we'll be fine. Lamentably, uh, our friends in the EU, and again, this now applies to Northern Ireland, have uh, have decided that we are now, we are no longer the country we were before we left, so we're going to have to behave as if we were bringing our pets in from Paraguay or India, which is a shame. But um, it's 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 yeah. yeah. No, and Sorry, right. and that's just it, that's it, just ridiculous. We are no long, we're no longer part of the club. Yes, so, so we uh, can't continue to know, behave like we we can't the, have the benefits of being in the club if we're not in the club. We're not in the club. We voted to leave the club. We've got an agreement to use some of the services of the club and to have a relationship with the club yep. that doesn't include all of the benefits of being in the club. Why are you surprised that we don't have all of the benefits of being in the, in the club when we're not in the club? I don't. I don't understand why you need to revisit that. That's ridiculous. Well, I, I think it's. I, I think for me, it's about. It's about being in in the specific case we're talking about. It's about being reasonable. But your def- but your the definition UK of- is, conti- is continuing to be reasonable. We we could we could argue exactly the same, couldn't we? We could say, actually, no, we're not in the EU. You're the EU. We're now going to treat all of your pets as if they come from some rabies-infested third-world country, and we're going to make you jump through hoops of fire to bring your pet with you on holiday. I'm sure lots of these things can be sorted out in due course, but after fucking around for four years, um, the government's scrabbling together a deal at the last minute um, after stitching behind ideological points and actually not delivering any of the things that they promised um, in 2016 or indeed when they were elected last year. At the end of the day, look, we've got a deal. I don't understand why you're complaining that the deal doesn't doesn't cover all of the things that you think it should do and actually another country or a group of countries have taken their sovereign right to control how other countries interact with them um, and we've made a decision not to exercise that right. At the end of the day, yeah. they're doing exactly what we're doing. They just made a different decision, and that's entirely up to them. No, oh, absolutely. We, we don't have a. We don't. We, oh, yeah, we have, have. You know that they have every right. It is. Then, it is a, then, it is then a what are you choice about? as to whether to be reasonable or unreasonable. No, someone disagreeing any, with you, you isn't option. being unreasonable. They've just made a different decision because they're treating us like other countries. Um, and we are just another country, and we're being treated that yeah. way. So let's let's continue to build our relationship with the EU on the basis that we're no longer a member, that we're no longer um, members of the single market and the customs union, despite that being promised not to be um, at risk. Um, and let's carry on and make the best of the situation that we're in. Um, but I'm really sorry. I find it a bit much to hear people that champion Brexit bitching about the bits that they can't do, or that they don't have freedom of movement, that they can't live in Spain anymore. Uh, I think that's a bit nuts. Shall we move on to schools? I, I, I haven't done any of those things, though, have I? No, I know. I'm not I, saying I you have. I pointed out that on, but... one, on, one, on, one, on one specific issue, mm-hmm. that the two sides of the equation that could would take a position of mutual recognition because nothing has changed from a risk perspective from December the 31st to January the 1st, have opted not to behave in the same way. They have the right to do that, but whether that's the right thing to do well, is but, worthy of a raised eyebrow. Well, you can classify whether it's the right thing for you, but the right thing for them is the decision they've made. Whether they change their mind on that decision is, as you've said... Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, up to of them. Um, that It is their decision. We don't have a say in that decision anymore because we gave that away. 
No, but we can make a judgment about it. We can, but we just look like we're moaning. So number two of our issues to discuss is schools. So have Ga- has Gavin Williamson done his? Oh, we missed our we missed our little bit of a clip of Michael Gove about about Brexit, but we'll 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 leave that out now. We, we we'll leave that. I need to now get my dog in, my <laughs> cat out, and let's you, talk schools. So you're you're worried about the EU controlling crossing of animals and borders, and you you're struggling to get them in and out the back door. Well, I, I'm I'm managing it. You've not got um, control of your borders, really... Ian. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. To be fair, I could have open borders, and during our summer shows, we have open borders. <laughs> but it'd be too cold. Um, but frankly, with it being zero degrees out there, I'm not sitting no, with the patio doors open. No, it's not worth it. I, I don't I don't want your left arm going numb because you've been sat in a in a cold draft. So, schools. So on the 17th of December, Gavin Williamson threatens uh, schools in Greenwich with legal proceedings because they'd said that they'd moved to online learning because um, coronavirus um, was uh, instances were too high in um, in their school population or, or in their area. He threatened them with with legal action. So in the end, they had they had to relent um, on the. Um, and basically, the the message from the government was to on on actually the day that schools broke up for the Christmas break was to say that when they came back they were going to be having um, rapid flow testing um, to test um, everybody attending school to make sure that they didn't have coronavirus um, in order for teaching uh, to continue. So kind of dropping that at the at the last minute at the, at the foot of. Um, of teachers um, and the school, um, the government have been quite committed to to keeping them open. So here's here's the prime minister on the oh god, what date was it? It was on the third on the third of January on on the BBC on the Sunday. No, on the Sunday. So the Sunday the Sunday the third of January at um at like half past ten in the morning. Here he is. Schools are safe. Very, very important to stress that the, the, the threat to the risk to, to kids, to young people is really very, very, very small indeed as the scientists continually uh, attest. The risk to staff is, is very small. So there he is on the Sunday saying schools will stay open. The risk to, risk to children, the risk to staff is, is very, very small. Uh, and here he is on the Monday. So the next day, here he is on the evening. And because we now have to do everything we possibly can to stop the spread of the disease. Primary schools, secondary schools and colleges across England must move to remote provision from tomorrow. And there he is after one day back of the January term telling everybody that primary and secondary schools and colleges needed to close. Yes, indeed. Um, it's a fascinating. Uh, this one is one of the. So you can look at this through through different lenses, and I think it's important that we we explore through a number of avenues. Okay. In terms of the safety element, there is an element of, you know, schools and colleges, and if you look at that age population, and I think in that same Andrew Marr interview, in fact, I'm fairly certain. You know, he expressed made a very strong statement that in terms of people getting ill and dying from COVID, that teachers and college lecturers were at no higher risk than any other population. So, Which is different from, from saying that they were at a lesser he, risk, though, isn't it? He, sorry, sorry to sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, um, but it, but it, I, I heard him say that. But that's also different from saying that they weren't at risk, which is what he actually said on, which is what he said at the beginning of that interview. Yeah. Well, so he he said that, and again, this is where it gets into semantics. He was talking about children being at extremely low risk, which is what the clip says. Which is, and again, this is where it becomes, you know, that is technically correct. It 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 is technically correct, but but we all know that that schools aren't new. Sorry, go on. Go on. So uh, that was the point I was about to make. The issue isn't about whether the children or young people are safe. The real question is about the spreading of the virus. And ultimately, if we look at the different risk factors in play and we look at the different measures that the government has taken, 
then you know going into tier four lockdown meant thing to slow the spread of the virus with the exception of schools and colleges where they were considered to be the i'm going to use the term acceptable risk of spreading because the people involved in them particularly the students and children were not at risk of be or, or at very very low risk of becoming seriously ill so here's here's the thing for me um what he didn't say was that teachers are at a less ri lesser risk of catching covid than anyone else in the in the wider community so he was very careful not to not to use those words um and as we all know children aren't the only people in schools there there are teachers there are head teachers yeah. there are administrative staff there are there are teaching assistants it takes lots of people lots of very skilled and hard-working yep. people to to make schools a valuable place of learning um i i can understand one i can understand wanting to do anything possible in order to keep schools open because we know the value of learning and we know the impact of not um, learning in that sort of environment and how actually that can dreadfully um, impact negatively those those most disadvantaged and actually those least at the yes. um, at the ability to be able to deal with flexing to an online online learning um, so I, I can get the motivation I don't think anybody disagrees with the motivation I think the thing that concerns me is that having had Mr. Shut Up no. and Go Away threatening to take schools to court um, for doing what they believed was the right thing for their school community and then to have the government a couple of weeks later actually turn around and, and, and do the same thing seem, seems a bit of a shame. To me, in any, if you're managing any sort of disaster or crisis, you have a plan of, if these sorts of things happen, we will operate in this way. If these particular things trigger a next stage um, event then we will we will be delivering our, our our operation in this sort of way and i just don't see why the why the government aren't able to say look we will do everything we can to make to continue to continue to keep schools open and as safe as possible if they are unsafe or if, the, or if they are contributing to the spread of the virus in their communities, and they will because the schools are part of the communities they sit in. The teachers are parts of yep. that community. The children are yep. part of that community. To think that they're not part of that community, to be honest, it seems a bit wrong-headed to me. So I, I guess for me, I, I'm concerned that there was a bit too much arrogance and bluster rather than... This is the plan if we can continue as normal with mitigation. And this is the plan if actually we need to move back into remote learning. And I think those two things should have been clearer from the outset instead of a last minute decision that seemed to be made um, correctly. But sadly, like so many other decisions this government has made and so many other decisions Boris Johnson has made on this issue, too late. Um, and it puts teachers, schools parents and children through an unnecessary amount of chaos an unnecessary amount of stress that was entirely avoidable it's a difficult time enough as it is they could have done this really really differently and i think it was a shame a real shame yep no and i i think this is where i i'm not going to disagree with you on this one Bloody because hell. for me we we knew before christmas that there was a new strain that was being passed around much faster than the existing strain we knew that that's why and again i was very critical of it at the time and i've remained critical of it the let's all get together for five full days and spread the virus and it became a uh, you can get you can get together on christmas day uh, but only if you're not in tier four so for me having made that change in policy um and again mostly it was london and the southeast because this was where the new strain was spreading but if we've learned anything, you know, we don't have a transport freeze. We don't, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a hard lockdown that says you can't go anywhere. So what we had just before Christmas is people, wealthy people from London, bomb bursting to their second homes all across the country. Oh, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. 
Can you hear me? I'm, I can hear oh, sorry, you. Sorry, I've just got a cat in play, which I'm now going to. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just going to try and move my cat because. Are you? Are you going to end up stamping on the? Are keyboard. you auditioning for a role yes. of a Bond villain? Oh. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's part of my role. But yeah, what I was saying is that the fact that we know that you know, there there was a bomb burst from London just before Christmas, so that new strain was going to spread across the UK. Based on that, it wouldn't have been difficult to realise that that the only major vector of gatherings of lots of people, schools particularly, were going to have to do something different. So for me, opening them on the Monday and closing them on the Tuesday was just for me indicative of, as you pointed out, and I hate to agree with you, the government not being prepared to make unpopular decisions soon enough. And I'm afraid that's where, from a leadership perspective, I have, I am very critical of Boris Johnson in that I fear that his, he has a populist agenda, which means he doesn't want to be seen. And a libertarian, I mean, he's always been clearly a libertarian agenda. He's particularly liberal with the truth. He leaves it to the last possible minute before making authority. Sorry, we keep cutting in and out as I keep... I don't know whether that's my internet connection or yours. Sorry, mate. I think it's mine. Um, no worries. I, I, I got you what you were saying about him, uh, about his libertarian um, leanings and him trying to do everything he can to avoid taking an what you describe as an authoritarian stance. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that has been a problem all through this pandemic in that... You know, any kind of thing which he sees impinging on people's freedom or the state intervening or those kind of things, he's been very low to to make those decisions early enough, in my opinion. I, and I, this was just the latest example. I find, it, I find it really strange for someone that likes to model themselves as a, as a shadow of Winston Churchill or holds Winston Churchill up as their hero. Um... I dread to think what state the country would would have been in had had someone with the with the skills and conduct of Boris Johnson been in charge of the country during the Second World War. I'm sorry, I've done it. I've I've compared this situation to the Second World War, so I apologise. I'm going to slap myself around the face when the broadcast ends. But yeah. it, at the end of the day, sometimes you have to do unpopular things for the good of the country. It's a very very um, it's very, very easy to abuse power, so you you wield it with much care. Um, yep. But it it just seems that, given that Sage advised on the twenty second of December, that um, it's unlikely schools would be able to stay open. Um, I'm sorry. Why does why does it take another week and a half to make a decision on that? Why why? Because well, it's a. The- because it's a, it, it it is a decision you hope you won't have to take. I, I, but I, I, and this is where this is. The, no, no, I, I absolutely get it. You're, you're shooting an own goal here. You know, if we look at just before Christmas, you know, there is an element of you know my personal bugbear, the gym. I was told very clearly here is level one, two, three. In all instances, gyms will be staying open. I turned virtual cartwheels, and we went into tier three on the friday and i was kind of okay but at least i've got the gym hooray for me i went to the gym we had a jolly good session Uh, and then on friday we invented a new tier on the saturday we invented a new tier tier four and that meant the gym would close and and this is where for me the the desperate populist in that and i use the gym purely as an example which is, don't worry, chaps, there's no way we're going to have to insert the thing of your choosing, close that thing, and then as the new virus starts, the new variant starts to spread like wildfire, we, we have to go back on that. And I think that that's, to your point, where you said, you know, at, at that very start, there is a, if this happens, then that, but if it goes this far, then the other, you know, making the bold populist statement about gyms not closing or whatever the other things were that weren't going to close under any circumstances, you can't make that statement. 
No, I, but you I, do it, and then you have to U-turn, and you look a fool. No, and and it was interesting, and I, I wonder whether maybe they're learning because the language that Matt Hancock was using today on the Sunday shows was actually quite different. Was very much he wouldn't be passed on um, when because he he was trying to say that um, that hopefully enough people would be vaccinated that we can um, look at relaxing restrictions in the spring, but then wouldn't be drawn on when he considered spring to be. So it's almost like they're, they're slowly learning how not to trip themselves up on, but they just need the sensible, actually harsh but true message of this is changing very, very rapidly. We're doing everything we can. Things are going to change. Some things we're going to need to change at very, very short notice, but we will do everything we can to get things recovering as quickly as we can but we need your help we need you to, to follow the instructions we need you to do this because otherwise it's going to get worse our nhs is overwhelmed our nhs staff um ps don't don't consider it enough to clap on your doorstep for them but not follow instructions about how to actually keep your community safe and keep yourself and your family safe please the instructions apply to all of us we don't selectively interpret the instructions Let's actually, because we are genuinely in this situation together and we will get through this because we all actually do what we need to do. But which it's just this, and I understand it's it's tempting and I actually understand that the decisions, you, you talked about the decision to close school being the last possible decision you'd have to make. I entirely understand that being a reluctant decision. You really don't want to have to make that decision, but it is necessary but there comes a point, it's like if you've got a sick pet, there comes a point where yep. keeping it alive instead of euthanizing the animal is just cruel to the animal. And you are just keeping it alive oh. to make you feel good. And it isn't fair. And it isn't kind. No, you're, you're absolutely spot on. No, and I, I think, you know, in terms of the last possible decision... Um, it was a very interesting, you know, the, there was a conversation to police officers or to police chief constables to say, can you just start fining people? Because it's clear that there are some police forces that have been applying the guidance and dishing out fines. And, and there are some who are taking a very softly, softly approach. And it may not surprise you as an authoritarian myself that I, I think guidance without enforcement is actually... You know, it is an absolute waste of time because there is an element of if people believe that their actions have no consequences and they're selfish enough to keep doing it, then they'll do it. Others will see them do it and you'll get the culture of, well, if they're doing it, why why, why do I have to be put yeah, out? And you, that is... You, you do, you know, but I, I'm... toxic and corrosive but, arrangement. It is, and it, and it becomes an ever-expanding issue. But I, I'm a firm believer in people wanting to do... The, mo the vast majority of people wanting to do the right yes. thing. And they will if those instructions are clear. Stay local isn't... Not being funny, my definition of local might be different to your definition of local. Isn't, isn't a definition. Do not travel more than five kilometres is a, is a clear... Um, you know is, is a is a clear instruction so the, there's difference in the wording so there is there is that and the vast majority of people would do that where and, and instructions need to be clear but sadly there are going to be people regardless of what the rules are that um that, that, that they break that, that, that will just ignore it and you need someone to catch them up to use it to to use speeding as an analogy and as, as an analogy we don't we don't say to people don't drive your car too fast we say you cannot speed, uh, you cannot go above 70 miles an hour on a, on a motorway. It's obviously different in different yep. road conditions and different roads. But we don't say, drive as fast as you can until you think it's unsafe. That's not what we say. And um, um, we actually need to be that prescriptive so that enforcement can be logical and can be consistent and can be fair. There is nothing more no. unfair than, than the unequal, than the equal treatment of unequal situations. And, and that's, that's the problem that we're in but again it's i think it speaks back to as you've said the desire to be populist and avoiding authoritarian as you describe i wouldn't describe them as authoritarian measures i would describe them as necessary it's absolutely right that they should be yeah. held in held in check checks and balances and we have a parliamentary system that does that but most of these decisions shouldn't be being made as far as i'm concerned by national government they should be being made by municipal authorities decisions about schools should be being made by 
by the local authorities. They don't have the power to make that sort of instruction. Um, only only the government actually have the, have the power to make that sort of instruction. And you could argue that that's possibly been designed that way. I would say, as yeah. a bit of a caveat, without us kind of veering off onto the course, wasn't it interesting how, despite the unions telling teachers not to basically go along with trying to staff schools um, and reopen them, um, wasn't it interesting how that didn't blow up to be a Tory battle against the to defeat the unions um, of old that that could easily have actually descended into being? So I'm glad that didn't happen because despite some of the press trying to paint it that way, that would have also muddied the picture and it's not the argument that needed to be had. Well, for me, it was a fight that... It, it was a fight that didn't need to happen um personally i thought the neu were entirely unhelpful as they are most of the time you know which is effectively rather than rather than looking at taking a collective stance they pushed it back to their members to say well just don't turn up which for me as a as a responsible organization potentially you know leaving a head teacher with a school full of pupils and no or and only half the staff there to to manage that 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 struck me as a as an irresponsible path to take but ultimately you know because fortunately the government u-turned very quickly that didn't necessarily manifest itself into a into a problem i think there is you know there are there are still there are still some issues there but fortunately that didn't become a um didn't become no, an issue in the short I, term. I was worried which, it was um, it was glad of. it was become it was going to become a politicised issue, and I know it's a political issue, but I was worried but, that it was because I, of I, the and um. I mean, I'm going to let yeah. Councillor Terry Norton have the closing comment on on this one before we move on to the next one because it is 19 minutes past. Um, so his uh, his statement was that uh, in the comments, intention to keep schools open is because choosing schools dis disproportionately affects children sorry closing schools disproportionately affects children from poorer backgrounds which is what we discussed earlier on we saw this in Portsmouth with a yep. 200 plus percent rise in the need for social services I think the government um, the government and were and were sorry I think I might be misinterpreting what he's I think I might be misreading what he's saying and were forced by the teaching unions who decided late on Sunday evening to encourage their members to refuse to return the following day so I think he's saying that the government's hand was kind of forced back actually by the actions of the union um and uh, and then he goes on to, to say that um that absolutely they were playing politics and being disruptive to justify justify their membership I, I, actually the the kind of the flip side of of that conversation might be to say actually they forced the government to do the right thing and, and yeah, i'm not and, i'm well, not a fan of strong arming by unions yeah but i the, think closing the schools was, no, the, was the, the right the, thing i think the schools are the right thing to do uh, as i say i have grave issues with the neu i think that that pushing it back to their members and effectively inviting them just to withdraw their labor not in a in a collective or a coordinated way was making political mischief. I, I think had that have happened in significant numbers and you had classes, you know, you had schools full of children, but with no with insufficient teachers to be able to manage that, I'm sure the NEU would then have jumped on that as a, as a political opportunity. So fortunately that didn't happen. Schools are closed. I think, you know, we, we have to, well, I say they're closed, they're not closed. And that's very true. You know, one of the things, and we probably haven't got time to touch touch on it now, is the fact that the definition of key worker has been expanded. And I, I do struggle with it a little bit. So, yes, but you're, one of the things but you're, I learned this week is that, that I'm now a key worker. Um, well, you, um, you've always because been. I work, because I work for a charity. Um, now, in... I don't consider myself a key worker. Um, no, I, well, um, but I should imagine the the people who consume the services that your organisation provides would actually consider them them actually vital vital services. So I I can see both I can see both sides on that. Yes, um, but I, I can see your point about the expansion of the key worker and the and the vulnerable list and the impacts of actually um, doing that, both the pros and the co and the cons of doing that. But I, to return to your point, I think it's a very very valid point. We should stop using language about schools closing because 
the schools aren't there, aren't closed because no. they're open for vulnerable oh. um, children and for the children of key workers. And actually, the teachers are working. If they're not delivering that teaching, they're delivering the online teaching for the for the children that are that are at home. So children, uh, sorry, teachers aren't yep. sat at home skipping through Netflix with bottles of gin in their hand. They're they're actually working ferociously hard. So shall we try and deftly to switch to yep. quickly talk about Trump? I yes, just to just to end that, I, I'm very frustrated that despite being a key worker, the schools are refusing to take my children. Yes, but your children are 17 and 20, Ian, so oh, they're not I children. That has a bearing. <laughs> no, no. I, no. I, 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 um, I think so, even uh, the current definition Donald, wouldn't, wouldn't do that, <laughs> but well done. <laughs> so Donald J. Trump... So, um, Ye gods. we weren't going to play any clips of Donald Trump because, frankly, I, I don't want to hear his voice on our broadcast. Um, and um, so he said some things um, both on air and on Twitter that um, encouraged a load of, um, a load of people to um, storm the Capitol. Um, one dressed looking like he was uh, an extra in a Jamiroquai um, video. Um, cause all, all sorts of damage. Oh, the lad with the hat and, hat and the spear. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, no, he he's been arrested. Well, um, he was. Um, well, it's not as if they're the world's cleverest criminals because they've obviously provided lots of video evidence of who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, evidently he's uh, he's one of the leading lights of the QAnon movement, and we all know just how tinfoil hats those. Maybe that. That hat he was wearing had a tin foil lining. Maybe it did. Maybe it was a direct line to um, to conspiracy theorists that might live on the Isle of Wight. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, there's a five G mast somewhere that's that's um, that's able now to track. Bill Gates is now able to track what um, what Her Majesty the Queen um, and um, oh, and, and she's of Edinburgh are doing because they've been yeah, Prince Philip because because they've been um, vaccinated. So you know we can we can now know what they're doing as if we didn't know before. So okay, so um, a bunch of let's be honest, a, a bunch of um, rather nasty right wing conspiracy theorists descended on the capital, but you can't call it a coup d'état unless they're actually from the sorry you can't call it a coup unless they're from the coup d'état region of France. If not, they're just fizzy white nationalists. Well, I, do you know what? So I, and this is where it's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of the debate that's gone on over during the sort of whole COVID thing and the QAnon thing and the Trump thing is the left and right access has also, and we touched on it a little bit in this pod, there's the libertarian authoritarian access. And I think what we're getting is the the there are now a group and i consider this group to be one of them that almost don't fit any of the norms of political you know realistically you like with your myers briggs profile you had your two axis and you sat somebody along the different arms and you said well well that's there are this i don't know what these people are apart from deeply gullible and, you know, if you look at Trump, he started his gaslighting with this election is going to be the most fraudulent election ever before a single vote was cast. Then when he lost, he then threw his hands up and said, see, see, like I told you it would be, it's been a fraudulent election. <laughs> well, I only lost because all the people that, that didn't voted the... for me, they insisted on voting and the people that were counting the ballots insisted on counting the ballots of the people that voted against me. Well, and then, of course, he went to the courts to try and overturn the ballot. Do you know how many um, was it 64? court cases he lodged? Was it 60, 64? 63. 63, okay. I beg your pardon. Oh, 63? And do you know how many won? Zero. That'd be none, then. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the Americans are, are renowned for their, for their ability to litigate, um, despite you know, in, in, in absence of all common sense. But but nonetheless, there there was no evidence. There is no evidence. Um, it's, it's a... I don't quite know what the answer is about how to repair a country where there is a huge, a large group of people who choose their own facts, who aren't, who aren't willing to subjectively listen to actual, actual truth and are willing to be told various different things on, on Twitter. So... 
Well, so the, the... And, and I think Simon, just just to cut in there, mm-hmm. I think one of the tra- one of the challenges is that there is no arbiter of truth. So there is an element of, you know, if I go back 30, 40 years, in terms of where you got your news from, you got it from the BBC and you chose your newspaper. You know, if you were slightly on the left of centre, you chose the Mirror and the Guardian. And if you're on slightly on the right of centre, you chose the Mail and the Sun. Now, ultimately, 40 years ago, whilst they were still slightly partisan, they weren't just rabid echo chambers. But now, of course, when you come out of that sort of mainstream media, you've got you've got sort of news channels. And I'm putting that in air quotes. Who just reinforce your narrative of what you already believe. And if you go to social media and I have seen a lot of social media from America, it just amplifies it and reposts it as truth. So I think if you're stood in America at the moment and you're sort of, you're not wedded to either arm of the police, where do you find your truth? Well, I mean, there are places you can go to fact check. There are places you can go to find, to basically to validate you know, and to test whether um, a particular view or um, I mean, to be honest, there are times when I've been tempted to to share a meme. There was a, there was a meme recently that that come up that was suggesting that one of the rioters and let's just call them thugs and rioters. Um, I'm not going to elevate them to calling them Nazis or, or fascists. At the end of the day, they're just thugs and rioters. Um, that that suggested that sadly he'd died of a heart attack after tasering himself in the testicles. Um, while trying to steal a, a painting from the Capitol building. Now, I understand after a, after a cursory look at Google. Sorry, that's me letting the cat out um, out the door rather than the bag. Um, that um, he hadn't tasered himself in the testicles, but I do understand um, that sadly he'd he'd passed away after after having a having a heart attack. Um, but I find it a bit depressing that um, that on one hand you 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 know. Uh, it, it it's a cruel thing to see people celebrating that and and that's not not you know at the end of the day he wasn't doing things that i think were great for him to be doing but at the end of the day i wouldn't i wouldn't wish someone else dead and i wouldn't wish the lo- that loss on some someone else's family um but on the on the other hand it's too easy to think and this is where this and sorry james o'brien refers to it as the as the footballification of politics it's this i don't care what my guys do as long as the guys that I hate uh, are actually suffering um yep. and it's that kind of thing of if you can celebrate in someone else dying in those horrible circumstances um as utterly avoidable and as utterly um dis- disgraceful as it is anyway this is you know this is someone's son this is someone's father someone's yeah, brother yeah. um you know um it's it's not nice and i i, I just think i i don't know i i I had to. I had to stop myself from trying, from nearly sharing that, and actually um, looked it up before before I actually went to kind of doing that. But just from the point of view of, oh, come on, please, everybody, we don't have an answer to how we get people to agree on the same sets of facts, or even to disagree nicely. But can we at least, in the start of twenty twenty one, can we at least agree to be kind? Yeah, and I think that that is that, and that's that balance thing, isn't it? Which is that you know you don't want to celebrate. You don't want to celebrate that outcome. No. The, the flip side is that if you put your dangly bits into the lion's mouth and then you whap his love spuds with a wet towel, uh, when your bits get bitten off, don't be surprised. You know, the old actions have consequences. And I think, you know, uh, again, look, I fear for America. You know, I've I've put my prediction on record, which is that I think... Donald Trump will exit stage left before the 20th and then litigation comes his way. I think he'll go into exile and I think he will sit in exile claiming to be the real president of the United States. And I think, you know, that will sow tears and division in that nation for generations to come. And I think that is, that's the really sad bit because, you know, actually, if you look at America... 
apart from the COVID thing, they were doing okay. You know, well, yes, there's well, lots you of say things apart about from the Trump COVID. that are reprehensible, <laughs> and but I don't think it's going to be. I don't think American un, America under any president is that different because I think their legal system or their sort of their their democratic system almost sets everything up so nothing much changes which I think is the point you made when we were chatting yeah it, today. it it does i, I think i think the, the the way that their elections work the way that um um the elections for congress and the house of representatives mean that you know even if you've got the white house and even if you've got congress you're you're very very unlikely to have a majority in the house of representatives so the chances of you actually passing any any significant legislative change is quite limited so in some ways that's actually quite a restrictive and restraining um, effect um, on any government of the day in order to make um, massive sweeping changes. So in some respects, that that works to a nation's favour. But actually, sometimes you do need to make changes and you need people to put down their party political self-interest and actually do do the right thing. Climate change is is a massive issue um, Mm. on, on which actually... Um, that's that's an that's an example that works, but I, 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 sadly, do you know what? I'd, I'd love to think that you're wrong, but I, I don't think I don't think you are. I think to be fair, there's been a whole part of America that has felt for quite some time, and it's probably not the only country. To to be fair, but you know, um, there've been examples quoted in in this country uh, and certainly in others where people feel that they're overlooked, that success and progress is happening to other people and their chances and their, their their opportunities have actually been ripped away from them and they've literally got nothing to lose and the establishment is has screwed them over. So if you kind of feel like that, you don't feel you've got anything to lose and you'll you'll follow it's very easy then to follow someone that's telling you they've they've got an easy answer to complex yeah. solutions. And what I find frightening is that if he does what you say, there will be lots of people that will be willing to donate money to support him in that fight um and what a way to grift money out of people when you're actually in loads of debt um to be able to get loads of money out of everybody the 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 paypal poundland populists um, and we've got our own in this country um it's shocking i don't know what the answer is but what if i can if i can if i can end on a light-hearted note one of the really good things i listened to on radio 4 recently was some uh, was some monologues that were delivered from different years, uh, basically as voices of different years that were being uh, through the centuries or different centuries that were being delivered to the twenty first century on celebration of the twenty first century reaching reaching its twenty first birthday. Um, and I can't remember the examples from them, but when you look back at history, there have been other centuries where it looked like the world was going to end. Yep. And to be yeah, fair, some no. terrible things happened, but correction Thanks occurs. Right. And actually we recover and we progress. So p- progress is all too slow and all too painful. But I believe in the I believe in the human race. I believe that in the end we will find the right way through this and we will get through this. But it, it is an unsettling and an unnerving time. And on that bombshell and your use of the beautiful 1950s word grift, which respect is due. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And I've been Simon Sansbury. Thank you for listening to our first show of 2021. Please don't forget you can catch us wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow us at Pompey Politics Podcast on Facebook to get updates when we go live and listen to us, as I say, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's SoundCloud, Apple, uh, Amazon, Google. We're out there. Just search for us. Stay safe.